Chapter 7, verses 13 to 20. And I named this one, Not by Condemnation. And if you remember last week, we talked about condemnation and blame. We're not to be that way with others, especially those who we claim to love. But we need to be helpful and loving and gentle with our approach with dealing with each other and living with one another. So it's not by condemnation. But however, when we make our choices, our corrections and things that we do, we do need to be discerning. And so what do we do is we look at fruit. So we don't want to be condemning. We want to be producing fruit. And so it is. We also have that responsibility of being fruit inspectors. And there's a reason for that. We need to protect ourselves. We need to be wise. And so if we have the next slide, we will get into it. So again, in summary, we're going from correcting the correctable Okay, because again, those who we love, those in our lives, you know, we talked about last week, the whole do not judge lest you be judged. We talked about correcting and having it, having an an attitude of love and and heart of compassion, not that of blame and condemnation to tear someone down with self-righteousness. Okay, and so that's what we talked about last week, reviewing do not judge. Okay, so the whole message at that point was, was when we go to correct, we need to see things clearly. So we take the plank out of our eyes so we can see things clearly. So the whole point is to correct a correctable situation. But now we're going to turn, wisely enough, though, to those who are uncorrectable. So we need to discern those who are uncorrectable and those who would seek to manipulate uh, and would lie or even hurt us. And so that's why some of the verses that stick out on this week's verses Verses 15 and 20, you see up there, watch out. We need to watch out. We need to be wise. We need to be sensible. And also, by their fruit, will you recognize them? By their fruit, by their behaviors, by the things that they do and say, and the things they leave behind. So they may say and do the right things, but what do they leave behind? That's the fruit. So we got two gates to look at. And Jesus is talking about Two ways, two ways of life, two paths, two manners of life. And of course, in context, we're talking about the temporal versus the eternal. We're talking about the um, worldly, the love of the world, the love of the flesh versus the spiritual. So we have the wide-o gate. I thought that would be fun to put the wide-o gate. It's the wide gate. And it's a wide gate. And according to what Jesus is going to teach us in about two seconds... Many enter here. That's a surreal thought. Many enter here. So I don't want to be a pessimist, but most people will meet in our lives will enter there. That's what that means by many will enter there. That's a scary thought. I don't like that thought. But Jesus, we have to submit to him. He's a son of God. He knows a whole lot more about spiritual integrity and honesty. He knows a whole lot more about eternal life, life after death, than any of us ever will. Even when we enter into eternal life, he'll still know more about it because he's closely related to God because he is God, the Son of God. So it's a scary thing. It's a surreal thing. So when he says many want to hear, it, it make, should make us stand up tall. 
and think about our own lives and those in our lives. And that's why we need to have wisdom in the sermons. Because if many will go this road, we need to be careful that we don't get caught up into this path, this road that's a wide gate. And of course, we've talked some of the elements of this wide gate. Love of the world. Remember that I, you know, I want, I desire, so now, you know, you know, you know, give me respect and honor. It's this whole worldly attitude, the love of the world. And also the other things that he mentioned in the sermon, Matthew 6 and 7, and even Matthew 5, you know, the pains of this, there's a pain. That's the thing. People who, who, who are many, who choose this road, go through this gate, there's a lot of pain. And the thing is, we know a lot of people in our lives who do suffer from a lot of pain. And if there is a hell, which Jesus teaches there is, and I'm going to believe that there is because he teaches there is, that's pain. And so this wide road is filled with pain, pain that comes from anger, pain that comes from the results of lust, manipulation, blame, and there's no security, and there's no safety. It's temporal, like he talked about a few weeks ago. It's temporal, there's no safety, there's no security. But look at this narrow road, the one that's got color as opposed to black and white. And also do notice there's a lot of wolves over here, and there's a cute little sheep over there. Oh, that was a cute sheep. In all these illustrations, all these little pictures I put here are going to make sense as we look at Jesus' words, because he's illustrating a truth. And he's going to use things like gates and wolves and sheep, okay? But this narrow gate, found by few. Again, if that last statement, many enter here, doesn't scare you, this one should. Found by few. What are you saying, Jesus Christ? Found by few? Of course, here I put also on the wide road, it's, it's the common road. It's the soap opera road. It's the, it's the road of what's expected from the people in our community. It's common, as opposed to the narrow gate, which is an exceptional road. It's different. It sits up heads over heels tall. It's few. It's full of love, love of the Father, which is a contrast, as we saw in 1 John, love of the world versus the love of the Father. That's a contrast. It's eternal, and it gives us eternal life. Life, full life, proper life. And we're going to talk about life today. Life's a biggie. We want life, don't we? As opposed to the wide gate, which is pain. It, it, it stifles life. We want life to the fullest. That's the narrow gate, found by the few, the exceptional. The kingdom of heaven, of course. And that's the promise of eternal life. Not just when we die, but even here as we can trust to live and follow after him. So we start Matthew 7, um, verse 13, which is this first slide up here in the very corner left, top if you want to read that or if you want to read your Bible, which is probably even better because you make notes in your Bible. You can't make notes on the white screen. We'll get in trouble. It says Matthew 7, verse 13, enter through the narrow gate. Now that makes sense. So far what I've done for setting it up, I thought that was quite clever because it makes sense the way it's been described so far. Enter through the narrow gate. Yeah, Jesus, no kidding. For wide is the gate, or easy to attain, easy to get there, easy to find it. And broad is the road. It's a nice road to go down. Wide is the gate, broad is the road that leads to destruction. Ah, I don't want to take that road. And many enter through it. So these are the, these, so that last slide, I use Jesus' words. I quote them. I took it right from here, destruction, gate, narrow, wide. Okay, I've changed wide to wide, but besides that, destruction. Many enter through it, 
But, and this should grab our attention, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. Now, again, I believe Jesus is teaching from the heart here. He's taught a lot of different things. He's talked about law. He's talked about the kingdom of heaven in kind of a serious fashion. He went a little bit more lighthearted at time. But right now, I think he's just, he's finishing it up. He's wrapping it up. So he's pouring his heart out there, guys. This makes sense for a sermon. Usually when a sermon is given, you know, the details are given out and then it's just kind of the preacher just goes for it. He just puts his heart out there. I believe Jesus is putting his out there. And I think I can see a tear coming down his cheeks. He's not condemning people. He's not saying people to hell. He's trying to rescue people. That's the reason why he was there. If he wanted people to go to hell, he would never came to this world. He would just stay in heaven where things were nice and perfect for him and just let us die in our sin. No, he's doing everything he can to keep us out of hell. So he's crying. He's like, listen, guys, a lot of people are going to go to hell because it's an easy road. It's a common road. Many find it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Now, I like to define words because it helps us get a big picture of things. So the first one up here to the top right here, we have um, apuleia, which is translated here in the NIV, destruction. And it means to destroy, to ruin, to lose. We don't want to ruin things that are important to us, like our lives. We don't want to lose things. We don't like to destroy things. It's not nice. But that's what this road does to us, to many, as Jesus said here. Perdition after death. Exclusion from salvation. Again, not nice things he's talking about here. And these are all taken from... New Testament dictionaries that point out, um, including this here lexicon in, in the Zodiades, um, which actually talks about how Jesus and the other um, authors of the New Testament use these words. This is how they use these words. And also how it's commonly used within um, you know, uh, the Koinia Greek, the common Greek of the day. So these are people looking, defining it, how it's used classically, so how Jesus understood it and knew it, and how it's been used through other authors of the New Testament. Okay, Destruction either temporal or eternal. And that, the reason why I, I made those ones a bit bigger and underlined temporal and eternal is because there's two different camps of Christianity that I look at verses like this. There's the ones who keep it just on earth. Oh, if you live according to the golden rules of Christ and you live for Jesus, you'll have a good life on this earth and we can do good things and the world will be a better place. Now, that's true, but we don't want to just sit there because there's also the other camp that says, well, it's all pie in the sky. Live for Jesus and when you die, you'll get a mansion up in heaven. All those are true. All those are true. But I like this because it brings it together. We need to believe that life or things that we treasure and value can be destroyed. Our life can be ruined both temporally, which means here on earth, and also in the afterlife, eternal. But also, as we're going to turn to life in a few moments, we can have full life, complete life, as it's going to be described here, which is beautiful, both here on earth as well as afterlife. So it's a both thing. It's not an either or thing. It's a both thing, I believe. So again, to finish up the definition, destruction or waste. Now life. That's what Jesus wants to give us. That's what Jesus is here for. That's the whole purpose of his existence in his life in this sermon is to give life. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed. God wants to pour his blessings upon you. He wants to give us life, eternal life. This is the water he gives. This is his work. This is his ministry to give life. And so life, zoe, of the absolute fullness of life. I love that. The absolute fullness of life. Jesus wants, he has, he can give absolute fullness, completeness 
abundance of life, a wonderful life, a blessed life, both essential and ethical. So morally speaking, you know, you can give us a good life, a, a life that's right, that's on mark, a full life, a complete life. This belongs to God. It's a life that belongs to God. It's a full life. And through him, both to the hypostatic logos and to Christ in whom the logos put on in human nature. Hypostatic, that's, that's a theological term. Basically what it talks about is, is God's or Christ's oneness, his divinity basically. So in Christ, both in his humanity and in his divinity, we have life. So if Jesus was just a man, he would just be a man who died and that's the end of his story. But because he's fully divine as well, he conquered the pain, he conquered the, re- the grasp of sin and death. That's what this life's all about. Going on in the bottom section. Life, real and genuine, as opposed to bogus, fake, contrived, manipulated. A life active and vigorous. It's a life that's devoted to God. See, a lot of people in our world don't want to equate this. They feel like to be free from devotion to God is to live life. That's a lie, as we're going to see here. It's a lie that would come from, say, a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. It's a blessed life. A life devoted to God is a blessed life. Do you not believe that? Do you believe it? Again, if the tendency is not to believe it, it's because of the lies of the common way of looking at things and the common thing which many people go, which is the wide road of destruction. But the few, the exceptional, see these things and go, yeah, a life devoted to God is a blessed life. It's an active, vigorous life. It's real and genuine. And the portion, even in this world, of those who put their trust in Christ, but after the resurrection to be con, um, consummated by the new accessions among them, perfect body that lasts forever. So again, he's talking, again, temporal and eternal. Life here, devoted, blessed, okay? But also after the resurrection, the afterlife, the, the blessings, life continues on. And as things are added upon us, you know, the, the eternal blessings that come after life, including a perfect body, a resurrected body, and it lasts forever. It doesn't stop. It doesn't end. It's eternal in quality, and it's eternal in its length, which means it doesn't stop. It keeps going. It's full. It's eternal. But the problem is this. Again, the whole idea with, this, with, with this, these, these wolves in sheep clothing, which we're going to read here in a few moments. You've heard the, the, the term, misery loves company. That's the problem. And this is why Jesus is pouring his heart out. There's a lot of things, including people in our lives, that will try to weigh us down from finding that narrow gate, from sticking on that narrow path, from trusting in that way of life, which is full of life. There's a lot of distractions. And a big part of these distractions comes from this idea of misery loves company. Or the who do you think you are better than us? After all, no one's perfect. And the society of the man upstairs understands me. How can he judge me for being me? You see, these are excuses that people make. And they want to bring us down. But come on, you know, who do you think you are? Better than us, you church-going, Bible-bashing nutto, right? That's the criticisms we get from suing people in our lives. Who do you think you are? Perfect? No one's perfect. So just join us. You know, live this wide-o life, the wide-gate life. Come on, join us. Misery loves company. 
And of course, I put also the Society of the Man Upstairs. A lot of people who don't know God claim to know him, and they call him the Man Upstairs. And he says, ah, God's not going to judge me. He made me. He knows me. I'm cool with him. But how do you know that? According to Jesus, that's not the case. According to Jesus, wide is the road. Wide is the gate's destruction. And narrow is the one to life. So, of course, this, this breaks my heart. Thinking of the funeral service on, on Friday and how the gospel was given out. You know, for Rachel, young Rachel used to come to our youth group years ago and thinking about how she gave her life. She found that narrow road, that narrow gate. She gave her life to missions. She gave her life to God. And God decided to take her life and take her home. And I, I believe she had peace, you know, about that. But I look at other people who are youth group who have had the same message and have not taken the same road. They've taken a different road. And I hope... It's not the wide road. It looks like it's the wide road. I hope that this is a temporary thing and that at some point many of them will find the narrow road. But how do we know? How do we know what's to happen? How do we know what's going to happen? Well, we're going to see here. This is how we know. Watch out. This is verse. I didn't write the verse. I apologize for that. 14. Thank you very much, Danny. Verse 14 onward says this. 15. Verses 15 onward says this. Watch out for false prophets. Now, down the bottom, I define false prophets, just in case you want to know what that means. See on the bottom there? False prophets, people who claim they know God and tell you all about God, but they don't really know him. Okay, that's a false prophet. I'll tell you all about God, but do you really know him? No. Then how, do you, well, how are you going to tell me about God? It's a false prophet. It's a bogus messenger. Watch out for them. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. So they look like they have your best interests out for you. They sheep clothing. They're just like one of us. They're cool. You're cool. I'm cool. We're all cool. Listen, man, I'm looking after your best interest. But reality is they're a hurt and they're interested in hurting. Hurt people, hurt. Misery loves company. However way you want to put it. Beware. Jesus is saying beware. Watch out. Be warned. These people might be, these are people still that we need to love. These are people who still need love. They still need the love of the God and love of the gospel. They still need love. But we've got to be careful for ourselves. We need to watch out. Because they don't know God. And they're confused and they're fooled. And they're going to fool others. Sheep's clothing. They look like they've got your interest, best interest looking out for you. But the reality is they're hurt and they're out to hurt. Maybe well-intentioned. Maybe they're well-intentioned. But because of the wide gate, which is full of pain and confusion and the love of the world and the manipulation, the illusion. They may be well-intended, but unfortunately, they hurt and they bring others down with them. How do we know? How do we know? How do we know? By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? No. Or figs from thistles? No. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. Man, Jesus, didn't you just tell us not to judge lest ye be judged? This sounds like judgment right here. Again, in love, in love, we need to be discerning, in love. But we also still be discerning, which means we make moral decisions between right and wrong. How do we know if this is a bad tree? How do we know if it's a false prophet, somebody who doesn't know God, but's trying to bring us down? We look at the fruit. Now, they might see the right things. They might do the right things, but what's their fruit? What do they leave behind? 
A good tree cannot bear good, bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear, this is from the word of God. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear fruit, good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, I'm not going to read into that just now. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, let's look at the fruit. Let's look at the behavior. Let's look at what's left behind. Let's look at how you feel and think and how it affects your life after you leave that situation where you spend days or hours talking and being with this, these people that bring us down. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Thus, therefore, in conclusion, by their fruit. So these people might say, come on, why, why, why do you go to church anyways? Come on, come play with us. Come, come to the football. You know, don't you want to work an extra day of the week and make a little bit of extra money? You know, after all, it's, it's a family day. Go with your family. Forget about the church. What? Why go? Why don't you just do what we do? Hey, we're, are you saying we're bad people for doing this? Come on, join up with us. Hey, I love God too. I just can't be bothered with them. I mean, I'm sure these are things that we see in our lives all the time, isn't it? Wide is the road to destruction. Narrow is the gate. Narrow is the road that leads to life. So in continuation, is this not a tree? Is this not a tree? I don't know. Examples of bad fruit. They love to practice the ways of. Now, this is stuff we've already talked about. Jesus already talked about this. I'm just reconfirming it. I'm reminding us. It's not new information. It's the, they love to practice the ways of anger, contempt, uncontrolled desires, lies, and manipulation, betrayal, retaliation, hatred for those who oppose them, hypocrisy, blaming, and condemning. This is the list that Jesus dealt with. Yeah, that should sound familiar. These have come up quite a bit, haven't they, in this sermon. This is the, what he's dealing with. And that's why he's saying the way of the kingdom of God is different than these. It's a way of love. And so this is the things we've been learning for the last eight weeks. And there's more. Galatians chapter, chapter um, 5 illuminates this much more. Paul, thanks to Paul, in Galatians 5, 19 through 21, he adds some more. He says the acts of the flesh are obvious. Again, these are fruits. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I didn't add that note. That's not my personal opinion. Okay? This is straight from the word of God. This is me quoting Galatians 5, 19-20. Those who are stuck in that wide road, that wide path, it's a trap. It's a nasty, gnarly trap. It's common. It's not how you inherit the kingdom of God. Because the way to life is a narrow road. Nairgate, and it's found by few. So, is this not a tree? Here's some examples of where a tree might not be, or a good tree, that is. But there's also some good examples for us to, to bear. Uh, I don't want to leave it on a downer note. I want to leave it on an up note. Here's some things to aspire to. Next one. 
but is this a tree? Galatians 5.22 continues. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, I highlighted that because really that's what it's all about. Everything else is a continuation of that. Isn't all that we talked about in the Sermon on the Mount all about love? Getting to know the heart and the character of God, which is love? Isn't it all really about love? But what, so, so if, if that's God's character and the one who, those who know God know love, that's what First John says. And if you don't know love, then you don't know God. That's what First John says. So it's all com- combining together. John agrees with it. Paul here is saying it, love. Jesus is saying it in the Sermon on the Mount. So obviously God's character is love. And if you know God, you're close to God, then love is going to be one of those fruits. The fruit, the, 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 the produce of you as a tree, if you were one. I was actually going to put an image here of a, of a tree that looks like a person, but they're kind of creepy looking, so I couldn't be bothered. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Isn't this look very similar to what Jesus has been teaching us? About if you want a law, here's a law. You know, love God and then love others. See, he, he goes, there's no, that's, that sums up the law. It's all about love. And here, he's basically saying the same thing. There, you don't need to have laws. You don't need to have regulations if you are living by the spirit of the living God, which is love, joy, peace, so on and so forth. Don't need laws if you're living a spiritful life. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. The flesh is what we talked about earlier. We're crucified. We're dead to it. We say goodbye to it. We turn our backs on him. We say goodbye. We're crucified. We're dead to it. We don't feel anything for him anymore. By choice, we need to decide to say goodbye to these things. With its passions and desires. And that's the thing. The world's a passionate place. <laughs> the world, the way of the common world, it's passionate. Oh, it's very passionate. I hear the screaming every night on a Friday, Saturday night from outside when they come out of the bar and they're beating each other up. They're very passionate about how who looked at whose boyfriend and you know who's you know cheating on who and everything else. The world's a passionate place. Passionate about the wrong things, though. So all the passions and desires that come from the flesh. We died to it. It's so much of a simpler life. I always say the life of love, the life of the Spirit, is a simple life. It's straightforward. It's not complicated. Love, joy, peace. These things are very uncomplicated. Kindness, goodness, forbearance, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's very simple, straightforward. It's hard to live because of our tendency, the flesh, nature. But if we were able to actually just admit to it, it's a simpler, better, pure way of life then that's at least a step in the right direction. Since we live by the Spirit, okay, and that's a bottom line, we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So I like this. We say we live after the Spirit of God. We claim to, we want to, we desire to, we do what it takes to live, but now we got to keep in step. It's, just, it's, it's, a, it's an image, it's a picture of walking, the way we walk, where we go. And this right here looks like a tree to me that's about ready to produce some good fruit. It sounds to me like it's a tree that's found that narrow road, that narrow gate, that's living life to its fullness, as is defined, the fullness, the blessedness. So, in conclusion, let us not become conceited. So there is a warning here. 
And this, again, fits in with what we're learning with the Sermon on the Mount. Avoid hypocrisy. Because, again, he says, when you go to do your religious things, remember, do it to the audience of one. So when we're doing this living our lives according to the Spirit of God, following after God, let's not be conceited. Let's avoid the hypocrisy. That can easily trip us up as well by provoking and envying each other. Again, love, provoking, envy, the, the contrast. So we've got to stay on top form. And how do we do that? According to our definition of life, of, of life is we live a, live a life that's devoted to God. So one of the trip-ups, one of the traps that comes from the world, these, uh, those who are described as wolves in sheep clothing, is that they want to break our devotion. They want us to water down our devotion. They want us to cut off our devotion. Because as we see here, it's a devotion that gives us life. It's devotion that gives us the spirit living in stepidness. We don't do it to be conceited or hypocritical, provoking other people. We do it because we trust our lives in the hands of the living God. So those who think they have and claim they have our best interests out for us, who are our peers of great wisdom and, <laughs> and are want to be gurus, let me fix you out your life, let me talk your life, but don't know God, what they'll try to do is break our devotion with God. But that right there is the attack of Achilles to trip us up, to knock us out, to get us off step with the Spirit. And that is the common way, the wide road that leads to destruction. Great time.